Welcome to Sports, 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 the still unidentified but now visually confirmed flying object of sports and culture. Coming to you from independent remote quarantine locations with me tonight are my co-hosts, the exclamation point, the passionate one, Reed. Good evening. And the question mark, the man who cares nothing about sports, Rowdy. Yep. And in the middle of the period, my name is Snoop Gentleman, episode 151. How are we? Area 51. Is that right? Aliens are real. It's all lining up. Yeah, there you go. That's that's why we did that. Of course, it was planned. It's just Rowdy? it's serendipitous. Rowdy, you're silent. Are you not a, be- much, are you have- a believer, Rowdy? Oh, yeah, I totally believe in UFOs. Yes. Oh yeah. Now, whether or not they're aliens, I don't know. Maybe they're uh, maybe they're us from the future. Maybe mm. they're an undersea race. Not maybe how the realm uh, of Maybe it's the Russians. It's not the Russians. It's not the Russians. But no. could be Denmark. I don't know. <laughs> they're sneaky. Hey. <laughs> uh, hey, I want to bring something up real quick. Yeah. I heard that there's a story when we started prepping for this two hours ago. I heard that there was a story about, uh, I don't know what, but Rowdy, you had a story. Oh. Uh, we were saving it for the Oh, pot. right, 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 I right. Know yeah. what, I don't so, know what we're talking about. I mean, in a nutshell. Was it about, was it about it, UFOs? No. In a nutshell, this was a UFO that was quickly identified, but <laughs> uh, the... Uh, the main thrust of the story is nature is reclaiming the earth. Uh, time. It is. Uh, I we mean, in part- the last in the last few weeks, I've seen a uh, a fox, deer, a bobcat, a eagle, either mm. a juvenile bald eagle, eagle or a golden eagle. Let's go with and, golden eagle. And this morning, I was sitting outside working this beautiful day, just sitting on my patio, uh-huh. and uh, had the umbrella up, um, mm-hmm. blocking the sun. And I could kind of, out of the corner of my eyes, see you know the shadow of the umbrella on the grass and everything. And out of the corner of my eye, I just see a shadow of wings and claws coming in and the next thing I know there's a hawk about three feet away from me that landed on the grass uh, like was swooping in for the kill right next to me Uh, I I freaked out and yelled and that freaked out the hawk (laughs) and so it flew along the side of my garage and then landed on the the power line uh, out in the alley beside our garage and just kind of sat there. And huh. so I was like, Oh, I got to go get the camera. And so I went out and, and he, he or she and I kind of just stared at each other for a while, but it was, uh, it was wild. He was, uh, or she, I don't know. I, I don't know how you tell, uh, the gender of a hawk, but, um, well, I know how you tell, but you can't do it from sometimes it can be color patterns too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like 
cock its head up and was like looking at me sideways and then it like look at me with both of its eyes i mean it was it was uh it was kind of freaking me out a little bit because i'm like I, like at one point i i kind of like uh you know all animals if you see an animal out in the wild uh -huh. sure to communicate with it you go like this <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's that's Esperanto. That's, that's yeah, animal. It's a universal, universal exactly. non-human animal language. They all react to that. <laughs> so I, I did that. Reacting to and communicating with are two different things. <laughs> right. They're just like, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it had been it had been very still, and so I was like, ah, oh, I'll just. I'll just click at it so I can get a photo of it, of it kind of looking, looking at me. And then it kind of flared up its wings. And I was just like, okay, all right, buddy. Like I, we're, we're cool. Like I will back away slowly. Well, I, I couldn't even, I was like kind of, I, I sort of did the, like, I'm going to stare at this as I back away from it eventually. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't want it like attacking the back of my head, but, uh, but yeah, we, we've had, there are at least four red tail hawks that are nesting around our house. So at any given time, if you look at the, the electrical poles that are around our house, you'll see at least one. And sometimes they all swoop around together, but it was crazy. It turns out it was swooping after a cicada. All the cicadas are coming out. And so yeah. the cicada that it was after actually like crawled up on my patio a few, like a few minutes later, uh, so, um, yeah, man, it's again, nature's taken, nature's taken back over. Well, see what you got to realize, Rowdy, is the hawk is a messenger from the spirit world. Sure. Do you think it's well, my spirit animal? So seeing them means that the universe wants to, wants you to learn a powerful lesson. The hawk symbolizes the ability to use intuition and higher vision in order to complete tasks or make important decisions. I do feel like I'm a very intuitive person. I don't enjoy Maybe completing tasks. Animal. I don't enjoy completing <laughs> tasks. Uh, what was the other one? In, completing uh, tasks or Completing tasks or making important decisions. I don't like to do that either. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean you like to do it, but it's there. The it's hawk there. is going to help me. Yeah, it's yeah. there from giving you a sign from the universe that it is your spirit guide. So exactly. can I like, is it like let go and let God? I can just let go and let hawk? <laughs> Maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, let raptor. Rowdy hawk uh, down. Can you give me... Um, Give me just a little snippet of the sound you made when it came down. Was it? Was it <laughs> I don't even know. Was My it, wife was tried it to or a whoop. Because I could see yeah. you whoop in a bit. I think yeah. I would like a, like a whoop, high pitched whooping. It was just. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it was. You're pro you're probably right. It probably was more of a whoop. I would say it probably was a. Like that kind of a sound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my wife tried to find uh, from our doorbell camera. She tried to find like that moment. Oh, on the that'd be great. I'll, have to, I'll have to go back and see, uh, see if I can pinpoint when that was, but. Uh, oh, because your wife can't do it. So you have to double check. No, work. some, no, sometimes, the, <laughs> sometimes, no, sometimes it, it takes a while for the video to upload. This is I your know. difficult task. 
So <laughs> that's right. that, that could be it. Not only is this guy through a difficult test, it's giving you the difficult test. Yeah. And then the important decision will be able to would will be to decide whether or not to release you looking like a fool falling over in your yard because a hawk just landed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, it, it was the adversity to overcome. Yeah. Well, the great the great thing was where I, where I was sitting from the because I know the the pole that it, it was sitting on where it was spying on my yard. You don't know which pole, man. You oh, yeah. Pole. I, you I know. Anything. I know. I know what it was. <laughs> it's, it sits down at the end of our alley on the, on the light pole all the time. It's, but, it's, from, it's, but from where it was sitting, it couldn't see me. The way, mm-hmm. I had our, the way I had our uh, patio umbrella up, it couldn't see me sitting there. So, so I didn't see it coming, and then it didn't see me there. So it was like we oh. both we both noticed each Startled other at the exact other. same time and scared each other because it like, I mean, it was swooping down. It had its wings out, talons out, everything, and it was coming to grab that cicada. And then, it, but it didn't even touch the ground. It just uh, poof, like turned and and flew over. But so maybe you're that hawk spirit animal. I could be. Take take one good look at Rowdy, right? (laughs) Well, maybe I thought it was supposed to mean. You tell me what kind of spirit animal that beard is. So, is that your explanation for why it didn't touch down? It just lifted right back off. It's like, nope, not this one. (laughs) Yeah. My mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I felt felt like when when it was sitting. When it was sitting on the uh, on the uh, electrical wire out out in the alley, and I was I was probably about ten feet away from it. But we were we we had I mean we spent some some quality eye contact, mm-hmm. yeah. So we uh, I, I feel like we connected on maybe a spiritual level. Yeah, I mean, who's to say? Yeah. So when did you start? Uh fashioning your your tiny saddle to ride this yeah are you gonna be yeah have you have you uh inquired about the price of a uh finger to elbow leather glove yeah oh, i got i got uh I, i've got the um i've got these big leather gloves that are for like building fires or whatever they're just like big leather gloves for like it's like grabbing firewood so I, I felt like that could be a pretty good falconry. Now, where the hell did I leave my firewood wood gloves? Well, now here's a, here's anywhere. Don't forget the or whatever, because when I go buy fireproof uh, apparel, <laughs> what I want to see is or whatever. Yeah, fireproof or you know whatever. Well, here's my question because that's that's for that's for falconry, and <laughs> as these. As we've seen these red-tailed hawks around the neighborhood, different people are on next door, um, and they're like, "Oh, I think it's this. I think it's that." It's like, "Well, it's obviously a red-tailed hawk," and but some people are like, "I think it. Uh, I, I'm not a bird expert, but I think it's a falcon." I'm like, "Well, isn't a falcon just a hawk?" But no, no, they're not. No, no falcons. Catch, falcons are the fastest bird on earth, and falcons catch their prey with their beaks. And hawks and eagles and their relatives yeah. catch with their feet. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize that. So could you could you be a falconer with a hawk? Well, you're gonna you're about to you're an eagle scout with a hawk friend. So I think it works both ways. I can figure this out. We'll <laughs> we'll report back. Now I got to yeah. figure out how to lure it back. 
You need to you need to find out its name. How did yeah. it? Well, I I need to I need to look into how these falconers catch their birds in the first place and get them to sit on their arm. There's I'm some not even, great I, YouTube videos of people taming hawks that are in their yard. It's intro wild. taming hawk. Okay, I'm gonna okay. You there just you, you just gave me a rabbit hole. There you go, buddy. You have to create so it's similar to fly fishing in that you have to create a lure. So typically you take a a, Mc, uh, a chicken McNugget and put some some fake wings on it. So it looks like a cicada and then you just put that <laughs> in your yard. Have it hop around. Yeah, put it on a, put it on a string. Yeah. I was for for a bit I was I was uh, this was when the hawks first appeared. Uh, maybe a, See, they just a appeared. They're month, month and a half ago. Uh, <laughs> but I started playing. I'd look up YouTube videos of red tail hawk calls and play the YouTube sound clip as loud as my phone could play it, and to just to see if I could attract it over. Um, and they definitely would look, but uh, yeah. yeah but, now, would you say that was more or less effective than just going? <laughs> that was the jury's still out on that one yeah. yeah yeah you have to have repeatable results now yeah. that's right yeah that's right uh well because with... while i am a very intuitive person i also respect the scientific method yeah got to you yeah. got to prove that your intuition is accurate yeah it's got to be repeatable too yeah well well, this is a great this is a great sports podcast. Thanks everybody for joining us this week. We've got obviously an excellent show with everything that's happening on happening in the sports world right now. Uh, no, let's be honest. We're out of things to talk about, so we're talking about. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, while you're listening to us, go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you want to hear more aviary stories from our very own Rowdy. And let's get this thing started. Rowdy, how about some sports? How about it? Um, hey, I thought, you know, as we were preparing for this episode, uh -huh. we were just kicking around some different headlines. And it's just like, man, every week is just the same. It's the same stuff. These headlines are making me hungry. It's, yeah, it's the same. Well, it's the same <laughs> stuff. It's like, who's, you know... <clears throat> What who's team, got corona what, now? Yeah, who's got coronavirus? What teams are not playing? Uh, what, mm -hmm. So instead, I thought uh, I had an interesting science story um, that's also a food story. Uh, so we've talked in the past about the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest, which happens every 4th of July, which we didn't talk about when it happened in July because we're a sports podcast and you know, that's sort of a sports podcast. So we don't always cover things on a timely basis. Um, but uh, I, I saw this, this headline about a scientific study that was recently published in the Royal Society Journal Biology Letters. And this was written by James Smoliga, who's a sports medicine specialist in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And he has using 39 years of historical data from the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest, combined with mathematical modeling, he has set a field, theoretical ceiling oh. of hot dog eating. And that limit is 84 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 
Now, to put this in perspective, uh, the current record, which was set this year by Joey Chestnut, is 75. Yeah. Mm. So, and what was the ceiling? 80 what? 84. 84. Well, does, now, that, does this take into consideration? Um, first off, uh, I'd say disagree. <laughs> Sky's the limit. Dream it, believe it, achieve it. Secondly, live, love, live, laugh, love. Um, secondly, does this take into consideration technological advances in both the hot dog and, uh, and the uh, process to deliver the hot dog? Well, so when it comes to the hot dog, no, because Nathan's famous hot dogs for 104 years have not changed in their size or consistency. So that's, that, that's, that's not changing. They have 104 years of hot dog data mm-hmm. that says apparently. apparently. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, now, it, when, they when you think on... about so so here's here's how they figured this out. So they, yeah. they know Google they've Google. they've they've looked at these this 39 years of data, and what you tend to see in improvement curves in sports. It's uh-huh. a sigmoidal curve. So you have a slow and steady rise. Then you have an era where it rapidly improves, and then it starts mm-hmm. to level off. And so according to this scientist, uh, we are currently at that second plateau. And so what he's done is he's taken that curve, and he's fit that uh, to uh, looking at other, you know, combining that with other outliers Um and he's reached this 84 number. So he said that it should hold true unless someone shows up with uh, that's a new kind of competitor. So he said someone with gigantism or a metabolic condition uh, that places you outside of the normal parameters of human biology. What metabolic condition could help you in a 10-minute eating contest? Well, I don't know. I was wondering that because he also said that the limiting factor is probably not your stomach capacity uh, because he said that at the end of the 10 minute competition, most competitors are still trying to eat more. So it's not that it's not that the human stomach can only hold 84 hot dogs, which is insane. Um, but it's, it's the, it's the, chew, it's the chewing and swallowing. That's the, that's the limiting factor. So maybe if you have someone with like multiple rows of teeth, um, I don't know. Uh, but he, he did say that with human speed eaters, it's, it's actually impressive even by comparison with other species that, that humans can actually eat faster than bears or coyotes. Wolves can eat faster, but, but humans are, are up there. Okay, so maybe that's the... That's the A wolf-human hybrid. The wolf, wolf man. Yeah. A wolf werewolf. A werewolf, man. a werewolf or a wolf man. Do you, yeah. do you think that has to do with the length of the snout? Like what would give the the wolf an advantage? I'd say it's the, the I'd say it's the length and breadth of the snout because a coyote has oh, yeah. uh, a longer but skinnier snout. True. Okay. So, so what do you so. think about this as a hot dog connoisseur? Um, and by well, that I mean. That's more of a that's more of a quality or a quantity question or a, than a than a quantity question. I can't get this right. I can't say words. I know what you're doing. 
Yeah. What do you think? Is is 84? Does that make sense to you? It makes sense to me. I mean, especially because I think that you can see that the hot dog contests have followed that that model because it, it had been around for years and you had just kind of like this slow and steady rise. And then in, Kobayashi, um, yeah, Kobayashi in Kobayashi, 2000, yeah. what is it? 2001 when he came and did like, uh, 50 hot dogs. Right. And, and yeah. before Kobayashi, the, the highest was like 25. Yeah. So, so yeah. So then you had your, your immediate burst, um, so think, no, I, do you think that was a, a function of, of social, uh, recognition more than anything? I mean, when I think about it as compared to other things you might put on a sigmoidal curve, like, uh, the 100 meter dash, mm-hmm this is is pretty consistently in the in the public eye but the nathan's hot dog eating contest was pretty regional for a long time right well that's true right oh is this a collective consciousness argument no 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 carl it's not <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just a that i think kobayashi i'm wondering if he brought in a a, a, an awareness to the hot dog eating contest that was wasn't there previously, and so people began to start this whole uh, competitive eating. Well, that weren't normally involved. Like some of our best he, athletes now are competitive eaters. Kobayashi and that's more about did, America than anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kobayashi definitely did uh, turn it into, I would say, an athletic event. A global spectacle. And and yeah. he brought a level of training to it that didn't exist mm-hmm. beforehand. Um, but this actually leads me to a question I would like to pose to you. I saw a tweet that I thought was very interesting that fit very well with our our the theme of our podcast. And the, well, yeah, and food adjacent. Gotcha. So the tweet reads. There is an aesthetic element to all physical endeavors. And by that light, Joey Chestnut will never surpass Kobayashi. Chestnut's red-faced, vein-throbbing, artless wolfing is much less appealing to witness than Kobayashi's restrained, elegant style. That's interesting. So I thought it was kind of an interesting... So so Kobayashi cannot compete in the Nathan's Famous uh, competition anymore. but it's interesting because that tweet then sparked some – you had some pro-Kobayashi and pro-Chestnut uh, tweets. So on the pro-Chestnut side, uh, someone said, but Chestnut more truthfully embodies the spirit of the contest. Gluttony. Um, but then the original tweeter uh, replied, I would argue that the ability to transcend the inherent piggish indignity of a hot dog eating contest <laughs> is a more impressive feat. <laughs> Um, I love it. I love somebody it. else followed up. Chestnut, while not as aesthetically pleasing, has built on the foundations of eating that Kobayashi largely inspired. Part of the unappealing factor of Chestnut has made him a better eater. The violent shaking gets the dogs down. So that's that's also an interesting point because, as you were saying earlier, advances in the sport, advances in the technique. 
that mm-hmm. may be what what Joey Chestnut's bringing to it. It's funny because the violent shaking gets the dogs down is actually on my family coat of arms. <laughs> 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 so I've never heard it outside of that context. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and then on you're the not pro- fulfilling your destiny, Snoop. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> on the on the pro Kobayashi side, someone said he recreated the eating process as an athletic task. And then somebody else said the sport was nothing until Kobayashi showed up and put it on the map. No one cared until he came and absolutely dominated everyone by acting like it was an actual sport with technique and grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have people who appreciate both. As someone said, I consider them the Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire of gorging. With Chestnut, you see the blood, sweat, and tears so you can appreciate the work. With Kobayashi, it's like he walks between the raindrops, wolfing down hot dogs like breathing. <laughs> well, it's kind of analogous to like an ugly shot in basketball or an ugly swing in baseball, but it can be productive. Well, I don't, I don't fully understand this one, so maybe you guys could, could uh, clarify, but somebody else said it's Federer versus Nadal all over again. And somebody else replied, yeah. good comparison, especially since Kobayashi is a full-spectrum eater and Chestnut, like Nadal, at his height, was more of a specialist. Well, I, I mean, uh, that's a that's a good one with the tennis. Federer's got a much smoother game. The backhand slice, it's it's a prettier game, where Nadal is much more systematic and mechanical. Hmm. Well, and, and there's actually a good podcast called Sports Wars, um, which breaks down. It's like a six part. I'm going to edit this out where you're talking about another podcast. But <laughs> no, carry carry yeah. on. I'll just edit all this out. Later. Far inferior to ours. It has something called production value. And, oh. and, and something, something I've never heard of, budget. Yeah. Wait, would you say that that podcast has a vision? Yeah. And <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Purpose and audience. <laughs> These are all new terms to me. <laughs> oh, this is all pointless. Anyway, um, on that, they had like a six-part uh, series on Federer versus Nadal, and they kind of pointed that out. Yeah, Federer, they talked about him being much more um, much more effortless in his style, and Nadal mm-hmm. just being like over the top, all yep. power. Um, he actually, I think, taught himself to play left-handed. He did. His uncle, his uncle made him start playing left-handed as a kid. Yeah. And so that changed his style from being more akin to a Federer to this uh, more aggressive hmm. kind of yeah, well, uh, the, full the, body the, movement. Yeah, but I think the, it's also the same argument, Reed, you made before about LeBron versus like a Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan was much more graceful, smoother. LeBron's power. Uh, and yeah, Nadal, well, for the, to go back to the tennis thing, Nadal's a grunner. You know, he's, he's, has a huge serve. It's power. And yeah, I mean, Federer just mess you up with that little backhand slice, drop it right over the net. But there it's is a finesse so, game versus a power game. Yeah. There, I don't know what other technology or what advancements could come out that could help you sh- shove a sausage down your throat any faster um, versus, like I was saying, the 100-meter dash where you have changes in the way the tracks are built. Or shoes. Spikes, no spikes, shoes, yeah. yeah. You have ways to engage with your 
this your context, I guess you would say, your surface that you wouldn't have in hot dog eating. So maybe eighty four is the number. I don't know, man. Somebody's gonna come just tell it's not. Well, yeah. someone else chimed Challenge in. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Somebody else chimed in on the tweet. Um, I would get two down and be like, "Boy, guys, yeah, eighty-four, 84 is right. right. It's the right yeah. number." Might, might even be lower. <laughs> well, somebody, somebody said, "Competitive, competitive eating needs its Aaron Hernandez." I'm always saying this, so who knows? <laughs> That's that might be what we need to 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 bust past the, oh the theoretical God. ceiling. Uh, murder murder the theoretical ceiling. Yeah, literally three times over. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have to follow back up next year. To see well, I mean, the other thing they could do is just take you know take off the uh, the time limit. And just do a year where it's like, all right, it's just a free for all. We're just so gonna go. Out. How many? How many can you eat? And just see what see what happens. But anyway, but he, but he was saying that within the within the ten minutes, eighty four is the number. But he had people eating more than eighty four as long as there was not this this researcher had eight, people eating eighty four as long as there was not a time limit. Yes, more than it's it's the yeah it's the ten minute window because he said that he because he because he said that. At when when they call time, people are still trying to shove down more. So obviously, people people are not completely full. So yeah. So there's space. There's space, which is insane that you could fit more than eight hot dogs and buns. But I just want to see someone do it until they split open, like when you microwave a hot dog without poking it with a fork. Oh, like, like when an alligator you know, eats a deer. Yeah. 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 Well, didn't that happen in the meaning of life? Money Python's the meaning of life? Yeah. Yep. Until they explode. Just explodes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Let's see it. I want to see that. Nope. <laughs> Let's You're start. the Aaron Hernandez of yeah. competitive food eating. I'm, a, I'm the Aaron yes, Hernandez. I hope they die. Yeah, I'm the, the explode. I'm the Her Aaron Hernandez of uh, consp competitive eating <laughs> spectating. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh man well hey guys uh what do you say if we move from beef products to pork products right. because tj warren is going ham oh tj warren is going ham uh indiana pacers fyi boys are undefeated in the bubble and they yeah. play tomorrow right they do they play uh actually they play tj warren's former team the phoenix suns tomorrow but mm -hmm. they have defeated the 76ers the wizards and the magic all in the bubble and tj warren is putting up career numbers uh yeah. in these uh three games in the bubble this season he's already increased his field goal percentage by over three points points per game by four points and at the same time minutes per game by about four points he hung over 50 uh on the uh sixers on august 1st yeah 53. nine for 12 from downtown blew way past his uh his career high oh yeah and then scored 34 against washington and 32 against orlando so he's averaging 40 in the bubble Meeting uh -huh. all scores inside the bubble, and shooting fifty-four percent and forty percent from the arc. Oh, really? 
40% from three. And that was the big criticism against him when he was in Phoenix is they felt like he was a more quote unquote traditional player and didn't like to shoot the three. Well, when he got to the bubble, I mean, he's shooting threes like Steph Curry threes. He's shooting four or five feet outside of the arc, putting them up. And he's so a lot think- bigger than Steph Curry too. So what do you think? Is this um, is this a product of added minutes inside the bubble because uh, Oladipo is on limited minutes, is coming back from uh, injury? I think Domatis Simonis is out right now. Is this just added minutes? Or I think he... that has something to do with it. But, I mean, it could just be like he's, he's taking advantage of the minutes he's getting and he's going to stay in that starting lineup. You think everybody else is just drunk in the bubble? I've been hearing there's a lot of beer flowing in the bubble. Could be. The games don't look the same that I've watched. They just they don't have that same vibe. Well, there's nobody in the there's nobody there. Right. It it looks more like a scrimmage, yeah. honestly. But I mean yeah. to 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 take it to the Sixers like that, and he sealed the game with a huge three pointer at the end to go up like six or seven with like eight seconds left. He just closed it down. It was awesome. Yeah. Pacers, look out. Yeah. They might make a run for it. Nobody saw this coming. He's also averaging uh he's also averaging what two and a half blocks a game, two steals a game. In the bubble. He, on for the season he's at half a block. But yeah, four rebounds, one and a half assists, one point two steals on the season. But in the bubble, it's much higher than that these last three games. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Have you watched many of the games? I yes, just it does, bits and pieces. It doesn't feel the same, but it doesn't feel terrible. No, it's not it terrible. Doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's completely. You know, when you watch when I watched MLS, uh, it's a similar situation because they don't have the stands there. Versus watching baseball, where clearly there's forty thousand people missing. Right. Right. You know, there's with with NBA, they've gone and put the the screens around the court. They have some uh, music. Playing. They have an announcer, like three points. Yeah. They have the sneeze guard around the scores table, which is uh-huh. like super weird. It, it looks like uh, an elongated Pope mobile. It does. Uh, some players but, have on masks on the bench. Other ones don't. It, yeah. I don't get the space in between the players too. Like they have the three tiers of players for the bench. I don't understand what's happening there because they're all playing together in practice. So it's right. not like it's a visual thing. Yeah. So yeah. I don't I didn't understand I don't understand that. But yeah, I've been I've I've watched the just the highlights of TJ Warren. I mean, some of the shots he's making Oh, are, they're ridiculous. Yeah. He's just coming down the court and like just popping it. Yeah, with that win against the Sixers, they passed uh, Philly for the fifth seed in the East so far, and they're only, what, one game back from the Heat, two games back from the Celtics. I mean, they can move up pretty quickly. And uh, who who are their next games against before they're uh, Let's see here. They got the Suns coming up, then the Lakers. Heat, Rockets, and Heat again. So they could knock. Really couldn't move up, like jump one game up, because there's nobody above them. Right. This is the part 
I, I, yeah, th- well, the Heat, they could, if the Heat lose two, no, the, the, they play the Heat twice and they're only one game back on the Heat. Okay, yeah, then yeah. they can jump. Yeah. The, I don't understand. Did, have you read the playoff rules as well? Like, if, if you're within six teams, right? Yeah, but if you're within so many games of the last place team, then you have a playoff game against that team. Like if you're within oh. five games of the last place team. Well, it doesn't you... look like that's going to be the case in the East because the Nets are nine games back on the Sixers, who are the last seat right now. I don't. In the West, the Grizzlies are nine games back on the Mavericks, but the Mavericks are still technically in it because they're half a game back on the Rockets and Thunder. So, the the West is a little tighter. The, Interesting. Uh, two through seven in the West are within four games of each other. Wow. And in the East, two through six are within seven games. So it's it's a little more spread out in the East. Yeah. Which makes sense. That's the stronger conference right now, I think. So how much longer does T.J. Warren have on the streak? Is this like a fun fact, footnote, or... Is this well? I think you can expect one more because it's the Suns and it's a revenge game. But mm. then next up after the Suns is the Lakers. That's gonna on Saturday. That's gonna I'm gonna watch that game. That's gonna be interesting. Let him put up fifty on LeBron. I love it. Yeah. In honor of Lance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which, I mean, with TJ playing like this, it's crushing my dreams of Lance Stevenson. They, they, hey, Indy doesn't have a spot for you this year. This year, Smalls, I hate to say it, but I'd love to see you back, but can't get on that squad. Yep. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, he's so he's basically what you're telling me is he's he's what what did I see that headline? He's the Michael Jordan of the bubble. He can't is. He stopped. He's the Michael Jordan of the bubble currently. He's yeah. doing things like I think the only players to have over a fifty point game in Pacers history were like Reggie. And man, I read this earlier. It was an old, older school player, like maybe Chuck Person or something. But um, yeah, I mean, he's 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 in rarefied air for the Indiana Pacers right now in terms of single so, game stats. So Tuesday, or, I'm sorry, Thursday. We're gonna Thursday see and Saturday, two big games. Yep. The one, the other thing, last thing I like about the bubble is that they're playing at like four in the afternoon. Right. Right. They're playing like two o'clock and four o'clock games, which I'm like, this feels right. This feels like how ball should work. It's kind of like uh, baseball, baseball, basketball. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, March Madness style. Yeah, it really is. What happened while I was at work? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What else we got, Rowdy? All right, so uh, Kelly Leffler's dream has become a nightmare uh, in Atlanta. I love this so much. So, just to give some background, Kelly Leffler is the uh, is currently a, a senator who was gifted her seat by Governor Brian Kemp last year after out of uh, Georgia. Yeah, after Johnny Isaacson uh, retired, with two years left in his six year term, and so she is a, I believe, a billionaire. Um, and she is also a co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. Yeah, she's the richest WNBA person in Congress, team. right? 
Yes, and yeah. even even richer since coronavirus. Uh, right. Since she dumped uh, uh, dumped her that's stocks, right? right? That's so, right. All that medical stock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which she claims was, you know, comp- you know, not it, that was all done by her her financial people, not her. She had no, you know, I'm sure that had nothing to do with the fact that she's a too bad now. But. Too bad she didn't have a cooking and lifestyle show or she'd be in club fed right now. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> wow. Uh, a lot less money. I think that was like what, $5,000. Right. $5, right. Yeah. So, she, so her husband, by the way, is the CEO of the, and owner of the New York stock exchange. Yeah. So he's worth, yeah, they're together worth billions of dollars. And there's yeah. no way by having that position that you could know what's coming down the pipe. Absolutely not. No, no, no. This is all done in a, in a blind wink, wink trust. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she, uh, she is, has caused some, uh, somewhat of a stir in the WNBA because um, she has spoken out against uh, against Black Lives Matter. Um, she has said that uh, so the WNBA announced that they were going to paint uh, Black Lives Matter on the courts in their in their bubble, um, and she wrote to the league commissioner to protest. Um, she she uh, and then she's basically doubled and tripled down on on this stance, uh, saying that. Uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter is is Marxist. They want to erode the nuclear family. <laughs> um, they, uh, uh, she, but she also, and she didn't. She felt like it was making it was making the sport political. She also wanted to uh, put the American flag on jerseys. Um, so, what's happening now is. WNBA players, including members of the Atlanta Dream, are wearing black T-shirts that just say "Vote Warnock." So they, uh, when the six teams that uh, <laughs> so awesome. yeah, when the six teams yeah. that were playing last night showed up at the IMG Academy courts, they were all wearing these these shirts. And Warnock is Reverend Raphael Warnock, who is a Democrat who's running against Kelly Kelly Loeffler. Um, so. Yeah, it's just an interesting uh, one. I mean, it's uh, it's it's great that this is this is WNBA players doing it, but it's even better that it's quite a few of the members of her own uh, team that she oh, co-owns. Yeah. Well, okay. So first off, sports have always been political, and if you don't think sports have been political, you ain't been watching. That's right. I don't Second, think she's been watching. No, <laughs> I think she owns things. I don't. Yeah, I was going to say, I think she owns things. She doesn't and not paying attention. Question. Yeah, that's all she's been doing is getting the, the free bar food. Uh, secondly, of course it's political because politics just means anytime there's a power structure in place where one person has power over the other. That's all that politics means. It's not, we're not talking about Republicans and Democrats. We're talking about anytime that there's a working class group a working group and somebody in charge. So it could be a coach. It could be a manager. Anytime that is involved, there's politics. Oddly, it sounds like you understand more about Marx than uh, the senator. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So 
Uh, the third thing is, and I really hope this happens, is I hope that that they didn't pass the hat around for these shirts. Like, hey, you know, it wasn't like a high school cross country team where they're like, hey guys, everybody, uh, we're doing these. Uh, yeah, we need thirty bucks. We need thirty bucks for a team shirt this year. No, they were like, yeah, put this, put this on the Atlanta Dream corporate card. Slide, everybody gets a t-shirt. Yeah. So not only are they wearing the shirts, but Kelly paid. Kelly paid for them. That's yeah. what I. Happen. Why you go ahead and have Nike print some of these up and send them right yeah. over to us? <laughs> yeah. This apparently, according to Ramona Shelburne at ESPN, this was all kind of cooked up by uh, Sue Bird of the Seattle Storm. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So she's the one who said, uh, like, we should that they they should start this campaign to support Warnock. I bet she came up with that while she was in the chop. In the chop? Yeah. The Seattle, uh, the chop. The, you mean uh, the Chaz? Or the Chaz now. Yeah, wasn't yeah. it called the chop originally? It was the chop, yeah. Yeah. It was. yeah. It, but apparently entire teams like the Phoenix Mercury and Chicago Sky and the Atlanta Dream have been wearing the shirts. So it's not, oh, it's, just, it's not just the Dream. Oh, no. Oh, it's wow. It's not just them, no. It's, oh. it's, the, entire, <laughs> it's the entire WNBA. Oh, That's, I love it. I think the WNBA, since its inception, has done right, is they have realized that their whole existence, I mean, you want to talk about political, their whole existence has been political. Women's sports in general is a political statement. Yeah. Well, the other interesting part is that this is a women's sport that's anti this particular woman in power. That's another dynamic to it, too, which is interesting. It's fourth wave, baby. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're not... We we gotta advance this movement, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and I'm sure. I mean, look, like Sue Bird uh, is married to Megan Rapino of uh, of soccer fame. Larry Bird's niece. Class. Is it Larry Bird's niece? No, I don't think so. Like, <laughs> I don't know. No, I, that would be awesome. But remember, the the women's soccer team was also. That she like Megan Rapino took a knee, right? Not after Colin Kaepernick did. Megan Rapino has been very outspoken against the president, and she also led the charge for uh, for um, uh, equitable pay for mm-hmm. the women. Mm-hmm. So all of these things, it's like it's. I think it's as Reed as you like to say. It's really interesting that all these things are kind of uh, coalescing. But I think that. Just in general, women's sports is much more uh, political because I think their whole existence is a political statement. The fact that women's sports and professional women's sports exist is, um, in a lot of ways, like uh, runs anti to the way that we think about sports. Right, particularly sports that are mirrored uh, mirrors of uh, men's big time men's sports like basketball. That have yeah. been traditionally a male-dominated sport. Yeah. Well, soccer too. Yeah. So, what do you, Roddy? Have you seen any of uh, Kelly Loeffler's response to this? Has she made a response to this? She's responded multiple times, and every time she she like I said, she just kind of doubles down and is like, "No, uh, this is uh, this is uh, Black Lives Matter is about exclusion." 
And, uh, you know, like I said, it's against the, the nuclear family. It's Marxist. It's, it's making this political. So no, she's, she's doubled down. I mean, it, it, her, uh, her husband, uh, gave, donated a million dollars to the, uh, Trump 2020 reelection super PAC. And mm. she has, since she's been a senator, she's voted with, uh, president Trump's, uh, position a hundred percent of the time. So hundred uh, percent. Yeah. So Jeez. whatever she's going to be saying about this is, is, is what you would expect she would be saying. I mean, a hundred percent is a lot, right? Like everything. Yeah. That's, so, that's, I mean, I, I bet Mitch McConnell doesn't even have a hundred percent. No, no, no. That's all the times. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad too that she represents a city. You know, I don't know, like Atlanta, because I'm mm-hmm. sure this is going over really well. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, she wouldn't know because they live in a gated community in. <laughs> Uh, they Peach bought the tree or something. She, yeah. tux, it's Tuxedo Park. They, ah. uh, they, and they bought the most expensive residential uh, real estate transaction ever recorded in Atlanta. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're 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 not seeing they're not seeing anyone they don't want to see. In and Atlanta, Atlanta has a lot of money. Yeah. Well, people with a oh, lot yeah. of money. That is true. Wow. Um, but. but you know, this is interesting to contrast against the what the NBA has done, where they have gone out and they've made statements, but it's been very, um, it's been very specific. It's it's been very controlled. You know, you yeah. could have, yeah. I think they had fifteen different um, political slogans, basically statements you can make on the back of your jersey. Jimmy Butler tried to do a blank nameplate. Yeah. And- I thought that was that was the most powerful statement that anybody mm. could make. Just basically saying, like, like I'm a I'm a black man in the in the U.S. and if I weren't a basketball player, who would I be? And I wouldn't right. be anybody to you. Right. And so he said, I just want to be I want to be blank. I want people to look at me and not associate a name and then think about what their reaction is. And I thought, oh, that was amazing. And so obviously the NBA stepped in and said, you can't do that. You have to play with the name on the back of your jersey. So he had to change into a jersey with his name on the back. Um, where the and I know they're doing this pregame, but the fact that the WNBA hasn't stepped in, owned by the NBA, hasn't stepped in, um, is is kind of telling about who their audiences are in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and who they're actually playing up for. I think the NBA has handled handled this situation really well. I just wish that. They didn't have that blind spot of China. Um, yeah, you, I mean, everybody forgets about the China thing. Did you rem- did you see that you cannot even you can't purchase like you can't put like free Hong Kong on the back of your jersey. Right, right. they won't oh. even let you do it as a as a as a um, uh, a custom jersey on NBA.com. Mm. Oh, really? yeah. See, I mean, they got some filthiness to them still now, you know, like, yeah. 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 Especially with mess- all this Uyghur stuff. I mean, God almighty. Can't, can't mess with their money. Can't no. mess with their money. No. Yeah. You got to, you, you, it's, I mean, it, you want to talk about performative advocacy. I mean, that's, this is all, it's all performative. Uh, I shouldn't yeah. say it's all performative, but it's there is an aspect where it's like we are allowed to make a statement 
to an extent, right. to a boundary, but not step over right. that. So right. it's, it's, it's for me, and I think, again, it's, it's because women's sports is so revolutionary in so many ways that they can, um, they can get away with it. The fact you're playing in, in a quote-unquote men's world mm-hmm. um, is, is, already, um, uh, is already kind of antagonistic in a lot of ways. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. And then I'll put, I'll put my soapbox away. <laughs> what else we got, well, Rowdy? Yeah, where are we at? Uh, what we got time for? Uh, we got eight minutes. Okay. Um, well, oh shoot, I lost my tab here. Here, let's. We can blow through the bottom two pretty quick. Okay. Okay. The Rock. The Rock buys the XFL. The Rock and. Former Mrs. Rock. His his ex-wife, Danny Garcia, uh, rescued it from bankruptcy court. And, uh, yeah. One hell of a deal. $15 million? That's like buying properties on a certificate sale. Yeah, $15 million when the original investment was $200. Yeah. Yep. It's a good move. It's a possibly... We kind of talked about this beforehand. It could be a huge move. It really could. What the NFL does right now, the NFL is planning on uh, playing under a similar um, plan as what MLB is doing, where they're actually moving the teams from site to site. Which don't know if you've been watching Major League Baseball. <laughs> Feedback we've got been getting from our listeners are not often, right? Uh, <laughs> Forever. <laughs> there has been two, at least two, major outbreaks between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Florida, uh, sorry, Miami Marlins. Um, and uh, Rob Manfred, Commissioner Rob Manfred, said uh, they could shut down. Allegedly, reports I'm hearing, people are telling me that he was saying over the weekend that they could shut down as early as Monday if if teams can't get this under control. So, assuming the NFL is under in the same uh, situation, the XFL might have an opportunity with a smaller team and less games to slide in to. Uh, a canceled NFL season, but play in a bubble. Right. Uh, because they only have eight to 12 teams. They could actually come in, you know, in October and play a full schedule and uh, including playoffs and be done by Thanksgiving. So there's an opportunity there if they can get the players and if they can get, uh, if they can get some TV rights, but $15 million. I mean, that, that's a way to roll the dice. I mean, you know they got it. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's an interesting take that it's almost like they're hedging their bet that the NFL is going to fold or be short-lived, which I don't see any other way to look at it. it, it I mean, in terms of, like you were saying, what's going on with baseball. I mean, to and it's going to be exponentially worse because you have – what? what almost almost at least double if not three times the player personnel plus all the support staff way more than baseball you're moving mm-hmm. around you got mm-hmm. more teams um yeah i i just and you could centralize a lot of those services right uh, inside the xfl if you go to a bubble and you only have eight to 12 teams to manage you could now centralize- where are they going to play uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Well, that's, 
that's the thing. Like no NFL stadium is going to let them play there, but uh, uh, but uh. a college stadium might because they're going to need that money. Well, will the NFL stadium not allow them? Because who owns most NFL stadiums? Well, who owns them or who paid for them? Well, they own them, and then they're leased to NFL teams. But if the NFL team isn't using it, I think that there's an opportunity for a city even to step in and want to step want to in that economy. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. We're yeah, we we own this. You're not using it. You've broken your lease because you said you're going to have X uh, amount of X events event yeah. here every year. You're not using it, so you're in breach of contract, and we can fill those dates because you're not going to use it. Now, that is an interesting uh, That's an interesting take. I like that. Yeah, we have to get our legal expert on here, uh, uh, Katie correspondent, Corey's sister. But, yeah. Um, I, I, I think that that could be a possibility because that's, you know, remembering this whole, like, fleecing of the 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 cities that they the the billionaires who own these teams don't want to lay out the funds that's required to build the infrastructure they just want to you know um take advantage of yeah of these situations like they're somebody's gonna have to fill those arenas right or like you said i mean even they could bypass it all and just use these quote-unquote independent stadiums like legion field or the cotton bowl or you know just stadiums that can that are designed for football, but don't have a, a college program or an NFL team that use them. Go play at the Texas State Fair for eight right. weeks. Right, right, exactly. Texas has got COVID under control, so it should yep. be fine. What else we got? Last one. Uh, you want to mention UConn? What's going on UConn, there? UConn is out. They didn't. You didn't fire them. They quit. Uh, they didn't uh, get canceled. They walked away. Walked away, yeah. UConn, uh, formerly of the American Athletic Conference, now of the Independents, um, said that they're going to cancel their 2020 football season. Uh, and it's definitely not because all of their uh, opponents are going to a conference-only schedule, and so they couldn't fill their schedule. It's, <laughs> definitely, it's not because of that. Hey, it's they could have pulled a Notre Dame. It's, it's because of safety. Oh, yeah. No, no, they couldn't pull a Notre Dame because the only people that they could probably align with was the AAC, who they just paid $17 million to get out of their uh, conference alignment early. Well, they're a basketball school anyway. Exactly. They're going to the Big East, so, yeah. and, and they haven't had a winning season since 2010. They brought back Randy Etzel. They've only been in FBS for 20 years. I think it was 1998 or 1999. So they don't have a long, uh, they don't have a long tradition. Their their most um, remembered tradition is one that's failed, which is the civil conflict where they tried to start up a rivalry with UCF. You know, their their geographic rival, the University of Central Florida. Yeah, (laughs) which failed so miserably that Central Florida uh, refused to uh, acknowledge that the rivalry exists, uh, which at the time UConn's coach responded, Bob Diaco responded with, they don't get to choose who their rival is. Actually, they do. Who does? (laughs) (laughs) If I can't choose who my rival is, who gets to do that? Uh, 
But in 2017, when UCF won the game against UConn, uh, they left the trophy on the field and refused to acknowledge, like refused to accept it. Like UConn oh. tried to give it to them, and they're like, "Nah, we're good. Nah. We don't. We don't need that. You can keep the hardware." Yeah. So that's their whole tradition. So it Neat. makes. Yeah. So in case anybody asks, UConn. Uh, didn't cancel their season because they had no games scheduled uh, and because they couldn't find anybody to play games against. It's because of safety, their player safety. All, all the players will still be enrolled in school too. How so righteous right. of them. Yes, exactly. Love that story. Oh, yeah. How much time we got left now? That's it. Well, that's it. We did it. We did sports. Episode 151. Rowdy, what are you laughing at? Uh, I'm just... We, He's just giggling. We just stuck the landing. Yeah. Once again. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Perfect 10. Can't help One, but smile. Yeah. As always, I want to thank the Minister of Sound, Mikey Jetbelly Music, the Commissioner, Brandon Casburn, Food Editor, Dennis Chu, and the Honorary Ball Boy this week is... Guys, what do you think the odds of us getting sent an entire box load of Chick-fil-A sauce and Polynesian sauce is? What are the odds? 50-50. Damn straight super fan. Ryan Tucker sent us a whole box load of Chick-fil-A sauce and Polynesian sauce. Thank you, Tucker. We appreciate your listening. And also, happy birthday, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Tucker. We really do appreciate it. We're going to put it on everything. It'll uh, add an, uh, an exotic flavor to all of our meals in the near future. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us at sportsportsportspod at gmail.com with any questions, headlines, or topics you want to discuss. And don't forget to rate us and subscribe. New episodes will be there every Thursday where we will ask, how about some sports? How about it? How about some hot dogs? Yeah.